Good evening and welcome to the all-new Diz Dad's Playhouse with your hosts, Tim Hicks, Willie Crocker, and Aaron Rittmaster. Diz Dad's Playhouse is brought to you by Mouse Master Travel and Wicked Mouse Travel, both of which are authorized Disney vacation planners who would love to help with your next Disney destination vacation. All right, folks, and welcome back to the Diz Dad's Playhouse. Hey. I'm your host, Aaron, with my uh, trusty sidekicks, literally, Willie and Tim. Hey there. Hey, hey. Good to see everybody again. We had a, a brief hiatus there while uh, Willie and I were off at the Earmarked Owner Summit, and Tim was off cavorting at clothing optional parties with his children. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so wrong. I'm just gonna, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Let's go to our countdown segment. And yeah, uh, for this yeah. week's countdown, we're going to be looking at the top five uses of Lightning Lane at Walt Disney World. So everybody ready? Got your, uh, got your lists locked and loaded? Locked yep. and loaded. All right. And here's our countdown. And... Uh, Let's see. Let's put uh, Willie on the spot first. So, Willie, take us through your top five and uh, see what we can figure out as uh, who's got a clue. So, top five, starting at five, I have Frozen Ever After over in Epcot. Um, this ride does tend to create longer and longer lines each day, so it's a great use of the ride. And many kids love this ride. Number four is Peter Pan's Flight. It's also known as the 90-minute wait, 90-second ride, so you can enjoy that as much as you want. Number three is back at Magic Kingdom, uh, Space Mountain. This ride seems to back up for a long time, and there's nothing better than walking straight on this ride, or at least not having to wait hours and hours sometimes. Number two is Slinky Dog Dash. I would have had this number one, but I have a better individual lightning lane that I like better, and that is Flight of Passage over at Animal Kingdom. I do know that it is a purchase one, but it is still a great individual lightning lane. Tell me what you think. All right. Well, I think I'll go second this time, and um, I think we all ended up with a similar situation where we chose mostly Genie Plus attractions, but each of us has uh, one individual lightning lane among our top five. Um, I started at number five with Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Um, it was a close call there. That one also uh, could have been Peter Pan's Flight. Uh, I think they're just about interchangeable in the Magic Kingdom when it comes to the importance of, of Genie Plus. Uh, I chose Seven Dwarfs Mine Train because, frankly, the nostalgia for Peter Pan's Flight has been waning for me lately. Um, and I that may, may be just me getting a little jaded with it, but... Um, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is still a great first coaster experience, and so um, I think that grabbing that Genie Plus for it makes a, a big difference. Um, number four for me was Ratatouille, and uh, it has become a more important Genie Plus since they got rid of its virtual queue, because the problem is now it's you know Genie Plus or standby, and the standby line just really lags significantly behind the Genie Plus. Number three is the one individual lightning lane I put on my list. Um, I think Rise of the Resistance is worth the money. And um, I think that it's harder 
to sort of game Rise of the Resistance than it is Flight of Passage. Um, Flight of Passage, if you take advantage of your your 30-minute early admission, if you're staying on property, um, you know, you can you can get on Flight of Passage standby without a ridiculous wait. Um, and I think that because Rise often takes a little while to get running early in the morning, it's harder to take advantage of the early admission to get on Rise of Resistance the same way you can for Flight of Passage. Number two on my list is Frozen Ever After. Um, I, I don't know. That, I mean, I think it, it well, I guess it didn't make Tim's list. Uh, problem with Frozen Ever After is that it's a miserable standby experience, so you just don't have much choice. And it's a um, slow load. And number one is Slinky Dog Dash. I think that it is uh, an incredibly popular attraction, and it probably could have, you know, it, it would probably be successful as an individual lightning lane in Hollywood Studios as well. Um, it's number one because if you want a Genie Plus uh, reservation for Slinky Dog, you've got to grab it first thing because it's going to be gone. So, uh, Tim, what do you think? I mean, our lists are pretty similar. Yours, yours kind of overlay somewhere between mine and Willie's. Yes, and I was looking at it from the standpoint of is the ride worth it? And to me, Frozen Ever After is unless you got you know unless you're there with little girls that are total Frozen geeks. Uh, I, I, to me, that ride is not worth spending the money for that. So my list starts at Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And the reason for that is because not only can it get long, it's standing outside just like Frozen Ever After is, but it's a, a more thrilling roller coaster. Um, then num my number four was Seven Dwarves Mine Train uh, for the same reasons that Aaron said. Three, Ratatouille. Uh, last time I was in Epcot, that Ratatouille standby line had grown to between two and three hours. So, and that's outdoors also. And yes, for the most part, it's outdoors. At least it's covered. Big Thunder is not necessarily covered like that one is. Number two is my individual lightning lane, uh, which is Flight of Passage, because that is just a must-do in Animal Kingdom. If you do nothing else all day, you do that. Uh, and if you get the, the lightning lane for that, then you're actually able to do other things besides that. Uh, and Slinky Dog Dash is one of the hardest uh, hardest things to get. So I'm with Aaron on that. Is if you don't if you don't grab that one early in the morning, good luck because it's almost always a hundred minute or more wait. And it's all in the sun, all in the sun. So one of the things that I discovered, uh, and I you know kind of knew this, but I hadn't um, experienced it as much as I maybe could have or should have in the past. Um, on this most recent uh, trip, I did a, a made a conscious effort to take advantage of the um, evening, the extended evening hours that I had available since I was staying at the Contemporary at a deluxe resort. Oh my God, that to me is now the best argument for staying in a deluxe resort. Those oh, yeah. extended evening hours, it was amazing. We went into Hollywood Studios in the evening. We didn't get to Hollywood Studios until. Uh, until after dinner and Hollywood studios had extended evening hours. We really, you know, started in Hollywood studios, not much before the extended hours would have started. And we were able to experience all of toy story land with the exception of the swirling saucers, which we didn't care about, but we got to, to do all the attractions in, in toy story land plus rise of the resistance and millennium Falcon and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway were our way. So we did 
essentially everything that we wanted to do in the park with the exception of Sunset Boulevard and Star Tours and got it done in, you know, the two and a half hours that we were there in the evening because it was extended evening hours. Um, It was fantastic. It was, it was like a, you know, the, the parties you used to have to pay for kind of lines. Right. Right. Yeah. They basically clear those parks out. Um, so Rise yeah, of the resistance I, I, I mean, I knew it was a benefit. I didn't realize just how much of a benefit until we did it this last time. It's totally worth it. That's why I chose to stay at Beach Club for Diz Dads. Yep, there yeah. you go. The reason Rise did not make my list is because the two times that I've ridden it, I've the standby uh, queue was far shorter than what the time said it was. You know, it said mm-hmm. it's 50 minutes. It was actually 30 so right. that's why it didn't make my list, but didn't make uh, my list because it always breaks down. <laughs> right. Well, but see, to me, that's a all the more reason because the fact that it breaks down is what causes that standby line to stall out because they, yep. you know, every time they restart, they have to give more and more priority to the people who paid to board, and right. so you know, I, I that's why I feel so strongly that it's worth the individual lightning lane, um, just just because you know that standby even you know you can sometimes you know they inflate it sometimes that there's no doubt about it um and if the rise if rise has been running well for that day then you'll get the benefit of the fact that they inflate the times yeah. if yep. it goes down two or three times that day forget it, it you never know forget about it yeah that standby even the posted weight is going to be you know half of what it really is. That's true. Um, now, Willie, tell me more about Space Mountain because I've always found the Space, Space Mountain, Mountain standby to move pretty well. We we were there on a Halloween party and just got in line and it said 20 minutes. And within 20 minutes, we weren't even to the space area. And then we found out the ride broke down. So um, I also okay. hate that when you get in that line, and you get right to where you think you're going to get on the ride, and they go behind that wall, and then you have to do all the zigzags. And that's just while you're watching the the um, individual lightning lanes and things walk right on the ride on the other side. It's just so annoying because just when you think you're ready, you still have 30 okay. minutes. So, so, it's, right? so it's the taunting on that one that gets to you. Yes, it is. Hold up now. Rise of the Resistance got such a bad rap for going down all the time. Space Mountain has been going down way more frequently than it ever used to. It went down it's while I was standing. Three years like, old. Yeah. Well, Rise is three years old, four years old. Yeah. The biggest issue with space is that, you know, I know that they did a pretty thorough, uh, like, you know, in place refurb of it uh, maybe two, three years ago. Um, which mostly involved more break, more use of the brakes. Um, but at some point here, they're going to have to do a total track rebuild. And yeah, <laughs> it's going to be down for a while at that point. Uh oh. <laughs> All right. That means we're done with the countdown and moving on to our main segment. And, uh, Willie, why don't you introduce the main segment? Because he's coughing. We're 
We're talking about the potential upcoming changes to Genie Plus. Genie Plus. I couldn't remember the name. But... Yeah. 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 So but, it's, it's that's what I get for having to mute so I could cough. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, we, what we've got here is failure. Confirmed to rumors, uh, it's, it basically, is where we're at. So, we don't know exactly what the the rules are going to be, what the process is going to be, but we've gotten some confirmation from, you know, the big man himself, from Josh Tomorrow's mouth, that some form of advanced planning of Genie Plus attractions will be returning in the near future, but... But when and you know, where, some, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know the details, and and frankly, I mean, somebody out there made a mistake of of stating as fact that you'd be able to make reservations 60 days in advance, that was pure speculation. Um, you know, we were there for the same, uh, <laughs> the same announcement that, that the other, uh, podcaster was, was there for, there was no confirmation of, of, you know, 60 days being the days. The only thing they were willing to confirm was that some form of, of advanced planning would be coming back because they'd heard the guests, frankly, that there right. was an overwhelming sent- sentiment that they needed more advanced planning opportunity. Didn't Josh also talk about this at D23? Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. And he didn't right. say anything so different. He, right. He just he's just repainting the picture to let us know that they have st- they're still listening to what the guests want. But when you think about what it's going to take to implement a change like that to a system like Genie Plus, it's extensive and it's going to take a little while to do. That's probably why we're not hearing any details yet. Well, here's the thing. Um so we don't know for certain what I hear is, is rumor through sort of back channels that are not maybe supposed to talk about these things. Um, but I've heard it from enough independent sources that I think it's probably true. And what we heard was that a big reason that my magic plus and um, you know, that system, one of the reasons that had to go away when it did was because they essentially used the same software back end and the same computing infrastructure on the back end to handle the reservation system that they had to put in place to manage the park levels and the crowd levels due to COVID. Mm-hmm. They used the exact same back end that used to manage the My Magic Plus advanced reservations. So now that's and going so, away. Right. So now that we know that January 8th, most of those reservations go away, they now have capacity to redeploy that system back to some form of reservation system, attraction reservation system. Um, You know, obviously, it's still Disney IT. There's still going to have to be adjustments made, and it won't be easy because it never is. But It won't be smooth either. Right. Well, I mean, it's essentially turning on a version of a system that that previously existed and worked fairly well as these things go. As you said, fairly well. Right. The blue I mean, at umbrellas least as well as the current system works. So Right. The blue umbrellas will still be in the parks for many years to come. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, what we thought we would talk about here for the next 15 minutes or so is – how we think this system ought to work, right? I mean, look, we know that it would be awesome to have a, you know, a magic go button that everybody could just push and and it means you immediately get to board an attraction. 
We also know that's not realistic. It's not going to happen. So the question is, you know, what is a blended system going to look like? Because they they were also pretty clear that it's not going to go back to being everything planned in advance, right? Right. It was going to be something in between. And so I thought it might be interesting to talk more about what a workable blend would look like and what we'd like to see. So uh, anybody want to take a, a first stab at, at maybe what they'd like to see a, a blended system look like? Yeah, I'll take a first stab at it. Yeah, go, Tim, go. Okay. I think um, for the first stab, I think what they should do is take all the individual lightning lane uh, rides and make those available 60 days in advance. So at least if you there's one, that one thing that you absolutely must do, uh, particularly if it's an ILL, uh, you you can make sure that you pay for it and you get the line. That's that's at least the first go. Okay. My so, my first go would be if you're staying on property, you should be able to make your first two attractions. None of this two hours after the park opens business because you're on vacation. They're waking you up at seven a.m. Mm-hmm. to make sure you get a ride, and then the next thing you know, you can't get another one till eleven a.m. because the park didn't open till nine. You're basically one little ride ahead of everyone else when you're you're paying a premium to be on property. See, and I think I'm going to split the difference between the two of you um, because I think that part of the problem is that if they allow on-property guests to make two reservations in advance up front, it's hard to balance that over the rest of the day. Um, And so... I think that one way to kind of split the difference is I agree with Tim. I think if you've paid to stay on property and you ought to be able to say, hey, this is a big priority for me and I'm willing to pay to make sure that I get to take advantage of that opportunity. So what I would say is I would let people make both an individual lightning lane purchase and their first Genie Plus reservation. 60 days out. But then they then, have to, then they, then they have to make sure that, I mean, go back to where something that they already disabled is um, making genie plus available ahead of your stay. Well, and that's, that's an interesting point. Um, I think though that there's every, there's no reason not to, I mean, it, especially if you're staying on property, Right. I, I can understand if you don't have a hotel reservation, then purchasing it, you know, Genie Plus 60 days in advance as a part of your ticket purchase. Um, I could see them possibly still not allowing that. But I think the biggest reason that they pulled back from from having people be able to purchase Genie Plus in advance is because they found that there were a lot of people buying it who weren't using it. And then that generated a lot of complaints after the fact because they paid for it and then were like, oh, we forgot to use it. Or we tried or didn't to use understand it how to use it. Yeah. Or we couldn't use or it. So, like an animal kingdom. You don't need it. Right. So I, I think from that perspective, at 60 days, just like you're purchasing the individual lightning lane at that time, I think it'll probably be if you want to make that Genie Plus reservation, then you're going to go ahead and purchase Genie Plus at that time. In other words, it won't already be automatically part of your ticket. It'll be an option to make that purchase. 60 days in advance and you know knowing disney if they handle it properly i think consistency when possible is worthwhile and so 
you know, they ought to open that window the same 60 plus 10 like they do for dining. Now, here's an interesting twist to that, though, and I hadn't really thought about it till that just came out of my mouth. We keep using 60 days because that seems to be, you know, the current Walt Disney World default. But if that's also when the dining window opens, are we just creating the same Mm -hmm. nightmare scenario that people have every morning now when they're trying to make their individual lightning lane first genie plus and get in a virtual queue all at the same time at the same, you know, in the same time frame. So maybe there's no reason that you need genie plus reservations or individual lightning lanes 60 days in advance. Let people make dining 60 days in advance and do your, your attractions 30 days in advance. I was going to say, why not 30 days? Yeah. And, it's not going to make that a point. Your package is, is paid in full, right? At 30 days, you should be locked in. Shouldn't be any concerns about people booking a ride. They're not going to take because they canceled the trip. The other thing is, I think it could encourage you to have more park hopper tickets sold because you could sell an individual attraction purchase to flight a passage and then hop over to Epcot or Hollywood studios that day and use your lightning lights. Here's the other wrinkle I see with that is that uh, Disney is currently using surge pricing for Genie Plus. So are they offering it like at a flat rate if it's in advance and then uh, you're almost guaranteed the surge pricing will be more on the day of? Well, I mean, that's an interesting point. I think the surge pricing is based more on their um, expected, you know, their predictions of of crowd levels. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not so much that the price goes up as the time goes on, which you get more often from like the folks at Universal, right? The, the price of uh, getting Express Pass added on after the fact at, at Universal goes up over time. Um, I, haven't, I haven't experienced that with Genie Plus at, at Walt Disney World yet. It, it just tends to vary by date. They set a price for the date. Um, but that said, um, you know, I think that by purchasing in advance, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying you know, when you purchase in advance, you're you're more likely to be able to purchase. There may be a handful of days where if you don't stay on property and buy in advance, there's going to be only a limited number of Genie Plus purchases available for folks who are off property for those busiest there's days some, of the year. But again, that's appropriate, right? I mean, that's that's fair in terms of the investment that people have made in that Walt Disney World vacation. I actually think that's more fair than the current system. Right. Because if you wake up at 7.05, you can be locked out. Yep. You know, like Christmas or New Year's or Thanksgiving or, you know. And if uh, you want to vacation your way with magic your way and I want to sleep until nine, I don't want to deal with that. (laughs) Right. No, I agree. Um, So, so. If that, I mean, if we're settling on what we think is, is more reasonable, which is, okay, so the dining reservation window stays at 60 days, the, and, and there was, there's been some rumbling too, that that actually might move earlier, I'm hearing, but I kind of like it at 60 days. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't like it at 180. No, I mean, I think 180, I get the, the, the sense from people who are big planners that if they're only making this trip once every five or 10 years, you know, the, the ability to have some certainty six months out is nice. But I also think that it's really too far out. I mean, 
in some ways, I think it pushes Disney to make less than ideal decisions about, you know, updates and refurbishments of restaurants because they have to make the decision so far out to minimize the impact on people making reservations. I mean, you think about it right now, we'd be booking May 2nd reservations. Like, do you know what you're doing on May 2nd? Well, do you know what's going to open between now and May 2nd? No idea. Right. Well, Well, and that's, that's exactly it. That's the other issue is that it's pressure on both ends. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, 60 days just seems more rational uh, because you're still getting an advanced opportunity. It's just more, you know, closer into the the actual experience. And you think about the people that do the once every five years or once every 10 years, there's so much that changes. How how are you going to know that you know, this restaurant used to be my favorite thing and it's gone downhill and, and, you know, you're, oh, I really wanted to do that. And you go and you're just like, wow, that was a fail. Right. Right. You, know, you, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, you gotta know what's going on. Days, it's kind of like a normal, you know, we're 30 days away from final payment. We're 60 days from when we're going to be there. And it's just nice to know, you know, 60 days isn't that far away. Yeah. 180 right. is a long way away. Right. And, and I mean, let's look, I'll be honest, there are a handful of people, Not they're, they're not a majority by any means, but there's a certain number of folks out there for whom a particular dining reservation is a, an absolute do or die for the trip. You know, those who are taking that trip once every 10 years and they've got a three-year-old kid who is super, super princess obsessed, you know what? Cinderella's Royal Table may make the difference between whether or not they take the trip because they're only coming once in 10 years. And if they can't get CRT during their trip, then they're not going. Well, if their reservation window is at 60 days, they know whether they got it or not, and they can change, right? They can reschedule their trip if that's so important to them that they're willing to change those dates. Like, that's their call. I wouldn't recommend it, but if that's what they decide is most important to them, at least they then have that flexibility and they can make that choice. Similarly, that to me means you know it's more logical that that you've got you're dining at 60 days you're now locked into your package at 30 days and once you're locked into that package now we can start talking about attraction reservations and those kinds of things that are you know more um maybe immediate and things that that in the alternative are decisions made on the fly um i still don't think that's a perfect system because i think that there's still flaws with having to make your second and third and fourth lightning lanes. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're, you're, you're third lightning lane until one o'clock in the afternoon some days. Well, and I'm not so worried about the time as I am about what it does to your vacation. Right. I, I mean, I know I see so many more adults literally running into one another and things because their faces are in their phones as oh. they walk through the park, trying to grab their next, you know, lightning lane spot. I mean, to me that you're missing, you're missing the park atmosphere. You're missing so much of the environment. And that takes away from what the original intent was. Right. Look around, find the hidden Mickey's, get your head out your app. Or, or, or just all of a sudden characters come out of, you know, they're standing on top of country bear jamboree or they're coming out of here or, you know, over at Epcot, there's just all of a sudden out of world show place. 
Like those are the things you're gonna miss because your face is looking, going, "We gotta get to Remy. We gotta get to Remy. We gotta get to Remy. When do we get our frozen? When do we get our frozen?" Like that gets old. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I I hope that they've got some more innovations up their sleeves because I'd love to see it. Um, I, I I will admit that when my Magic Plus first came out, I was resistant. I thought, "Gosh, reserving three attractions, you know, before you even set foot on property." Why why are they making people make these decisions so early? I, I think that once we got used to it, it made planning so much easier. You basically mm-hmm. had these three tent posts that you could build the rest of the trip around. Yep. And it it really made for an easy trip. And, you know, unfortunately, it's pretty clear that that is gone. It's coming gone. Yeah. Yep. It's coming gone. Um, at least in settled. that form. So, um, I kind of like what we came up with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like the consensus we reached was, you know, you get to book, you know, up to two attractions kind of in advance, right? If you do one individual lightning lane and one genie plus, yeah, you had to pay extra for those things, but you've got control over whether you spend that or not. Um, and I think Willie's point is actually a really good one in terms of, of, you know, when you couple it with getting rid of the restrictions on park hopping, um, though having the ability to do that opens up a lot of flexibility for guests so that you aren't in a position where you have to pay for the two park version of Genie Plus. Like now that they added that extra complication to things, which I did not like at all because it was another level of complicated. But if you don't have to have a park reservation and you can make your you know, individual lightning lane for flight of passage and go and do that first thing in the morning and then hop over to another park and then purchase Genie Plus just for the other park. You know, I think that works. There's merit to that. I mean, realistically, you could be on and off flight of passage before Epcot opens. Oh, sure. sure. Easily. Yep. And I mean, depending on the on what's going on in which parks and which days, I mean, there are plenty of days where Animal Kingdom opens earlier than any other park. Um mm-hmm. And there are plenty of days when, you know, uh, Magic Kingdom is open later than any other park or right. Hollywood Studios is open later than any other park. So, But I mean, when they start adding on Park Hopper to, let's say, 20% more tickets, sure. that's profit. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, guests might complain about the additional cost and all that. And, and I understand that and I sympathize. But we also know that Disney's a for-profit business and... Given what's happening in the rest of media right now, they're counting on parks to, you know, drive their bottom line. Yep. Right. One more thing that Willie said that I'll I'll kind of uh, take a little leave with is uh, the availability for the level of of uh, resort that you're staying at. So if you're in a deluxe, you can make three. If you're in a moderate, you can make two. If you're at a, a, a budget, you can make one. Right. And, that, you know, we know that there was at least some back office talk of doing that, you know, back in the days of My Magic Plus, and they, they sure. never oh, really got there. Level. Right. And they, they did they did introduce the, the bonus ones for club level that you could purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think we, we could possibly see that. It, it's interesting to me because, you know, they're trying to balance the the – introducing more simplicity to the system while also monetizing the system. And, and that's been kind of the tricky part to manage, I think. 
employ some AI. Hey, how am I going to make the most money and keep the most customers happy? Hmm. Please don't. don't. Uh, All right. Well, so y'all have heard our thoughts. We'd love to hear what you think about uh, what you'd like to see in um, perhaps uh, more advanced planning friendly use of Lightning Lane. Um, Let us know you know, what your opinions are, what we got right, what we got wrong. If you want to uh, put Willie in his place, you can email him at Willie at wickedmousetravel.com. And uh, if you want to tell Tim to, you know, put some clothes on and make a different kind of decision, you can uh, email him at Tim.hicks at fantasticmemoriestravel.com. And if you want to tell me to lay off these guys and take it easy on them, I'm not going <laughs> to listen. But you can email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at mousemastertravel.com. We've had a lot of fun chatting with y'all and uh, look forward to your feedback. As always, the Diz Dad's Playhouse is brought to you by Wicked Mouse Travel and Mouse Master Travel both of which are authorized Disney vacation planners that would love to help your family experience the best of their Disney destination vacation. Until next time, I've been your host, Aaron Rittmaster, with my trusty co-hosts, Tim Hicks. We'll see you real soon. And Willie Crocker. Have a wicked wild day.